So one of the Old Testament Proverbs uh, says, In our hearts we plan our course, but it is God who orders our steps. I have to tell you, I love that proverb. And when I first understood what it was saying, I knew that it was telling me there would be some conflict in my life. I realized there would be things which I intended to do, which I wanted to do, even desired to do. Things, too, which I, I maybe thought I should do, but which God would overrule. He, he would direct my steps from my course to where he wanted me to go. Not all the time, certainly just sometimes. But I understood, too, as I thought about what that proverb was saying, is that God knows what's best. Of course he does. I mean, my knowledge and understanding is limited. His is infinite. And if he says, don't go here, go there instead, I should be glad of the change in course. I'll be doing what God wanted me to do. I'll be in his will. Now, sometimes I'm afraid we beat our head against the wall. We keep trying to go where God is telling us not to go. We're just too dull or set in our ways or stubborn to listen. And we expend a lot of energy and waste a lot of time on what for us is a, a dead end. At other times, things are a bit easier. God tells us, and we hear him, and we change course. I confess it's not always that easy. Often we're just not listening, or maybe we haven't uh, reached that level of maturity where we can even hear him, and so a lot of trouble comes our way. The good news is that all of that God is still directing your course, as hard as that may be. And don't you want that? (laughs) I mean, don't you want to be where God wants you to be? Don't you want to be in his will for your life? Well, I'm sure you do. All of that is by way of introduction to our topic today. I had a course mapped out and thought I knew where I was going. Last week, if you were here and if you remember, I told you that God willing... Uh, we would be looking at a certain passage in Romans as we continue to make our way through that book. And I'm looking forward to talking about that passage in its context, a famous passage which I think is often misunderstood and misapplied. uh, misapplied. And much of the work for that message is already done. But early on in this week, I had the clear inclination that God wanted me to take a different path and to come back to Romans later. And after praying about it, uh, I believe God wants me to take advantage of this Sunday to talk directly to men and also to younger people to some extent. Jim has already mentioned this, but about 30 women from our church, wives, mothers, grandmothers, are not here today. They're on a retreat. And we're confident that God is speaking to them about the things that he knows they should hear, and those things will refresh and renew them spiritually. And I have to tell you, I'm just as confident that God wants to speak to the men that are here today about some things they need to hear. Now, for some of you, these things will only be a reminder, but then we do need to be reminded and often. For others, um, maybe some of these things will be new. But if you heed God's word, you will be spiritually refreshed. But what if you're here today and you're not a man or a child anymore? Well, I want you to take...
I mean, you are here, and God wants you here, and he wants you to hear what we are going to talk about. You, too, can be encouraged and refreshed as daughters. You listen in on a kind of a conversation between our God and his sons. Now, some of what you hear, ladies, may also be a reminder to you, and no more than that, and some of it may even be new. But it is the word of God, and there is life in it. Now, this morning, we're going to look at some selected verses out of the Old Testament Proverbs. And, and many of you have heard me tell this story before about a time in another church when I was going to speak on this particular proverb. And then I announced the text, the woman in that church who simply could not help herself. She cried out in a voice of utter despair, which the entire church heard. She cried out, oh, no. She felt as though she simply could not endure another lecture from this text. Now, to her credit, she stayed. She didn't hear a lecture, but she did hear some things she'd never heard before, and I believe she left. I know she did because she told me she left refreshed and renewed. And so it's my prayer that you'll leave here today in that same way, refreshed and renewed. So I'd like you to join me in your Bibles, if you'd like to, right now in Proverbs 31. And, of course, we will have the uh, text on the screen on either side of me. The key to understanding this section of the proverb is knowing who it is addressed to. Many people think of Proverbs 31, this section that is um, from verse 10 to the end of the chapter, as though it were either written for women so they know how they ought to behave, or written for men so they can hold their wives to the standard. The reality is, however, it's written and included in God's Word, so husbands especially, and children too, will know the treasure they have if they have a godly wife or a mom. Now there's more going on here in these texts uh, that we talk about, but but for our purposes this morning, they're going to look at about six things that, that the Bible tells us about a godly wife or a mom. And we, we begin by understanding this, that uh, she is valuable. She's priceless, really. And so verse 10 tells us that. A wife of noble character who can find, she is worth far more than rubies. You know, such a woman is beyond value. I, I suppose rubies must have been the jewel of choice in those days, rare and valuable. I, if this were written in our day, no doubt the writer would use diamonds to make the comparison. Uh, we would say she's worth far more than diamonds. And I want you to notice two things about what's said here. First, there is no number of jewels mentioned, and that very absence of a number speaks of an abundance of them. She's worth more than rubies. How many rubies, you ask? Well, how many can you imagine would be the answer? It's still not 
enough. Or I have ten diamonds here. Is she worth that? Oh, she's worth more than that. Well, how many? Well, more than you can gather if you gathered all there were in all the world. And then to the second thing to notice is that she's not just worth more than that. All those kinds of things. But far more than that. No matter how big the pile of jewels, it fades into absolute insignificance when it's set next to such a woman. Now, I suppose, I hope not, but I suppose there could be someone sitting there thinking, well, if I were offered a million dollars or ten million or a hundred million dollars worth of diamonds, I'd swipe my watch. I'd swap my wife for them. Well, you know, that tells us a whole lot more about your heart than the worth of a woman. Such a wife or mother is absolutely priceless. You cannot buy one. You could not pay someone or a multitude of someones to fill that role in your life. And if you have someone like that in your life now, or if you had someone like that in the past, then you know that you have known and enjoyed a gift from God. You see, a godly wife or mother is a priceless gift from our Creator. Now, the writer asks here, who can find someone like that? And that's another indication of her value. Yes, it is. But it's more than that, and I want to come back to that a little bit later this morning. But for now, I want to move along, and I want to turn to something else. And I want to note something, which forms kind of the central part of this text. Now, we're not going to look at this text itself. Uh, You can do that on your own later. We're just going to talk about it. It makes up a large portion of this passage, and it's important. And the portion focuses on all the things that a wife or mother does for those that uh, she loves. And the list is long and it's daunting. And sometimes women are discouraged when they read that. That's what that woman that day in that church was, was feeling. She had been lectured to how she needed to do these things that were written in Proverbs 31. And they look at that and they think, I can't do all these things. I mean, the relief comes when we understand two things. First, this is not a prescription of what a godly wife does. Rather, it is an example of the kinds of things that she does. The text isn't saying you should do all these things here or or these are the things that a godly wife does. The writer's pointing out the multitude and the variety of the things that, that a woman does because she loves her family. And secondly, this is a description not of a typical day, but a sketch of uh, her entire lifetime. At some point in her life, her family has these needs over here, and she does these kinds of things. And at other times, they have these kinds of needs, and she does these other kinds of things. So over a lifetime, this woman of noble character does so many different things to express her love for her family. Now, some of you guys this morning, again, are appreciating all that she does. You've got the kids and the house and all, well, maybe not all, (laughs) a 
of what she has, but you've got a lot of it. You're doing it, but I already know you're going to be glad when she gets back. Now, you know, that's just a part of her value. But the truth is, and, and I'm not trying to take anything at all away from all of that, it's really the smallest part. I mean, she does all of those things because of who she is. I mean, you could possibly pay someone to do those things, but not with the love and commitment of a wife and mother. And there is so much more about her which is important. Which brings us to verse 11. And that tells us her husband ought, how her husband ought to feel about her. And so we read, her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. You know, the NIV is almost matter-of-fact in the way it translates this verse. Well, then, it is a fact, so I guess that's okay. But I love the way the NAS says it. This is what it says. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. You know, it's poetic, as it should be. It's a matter of the heart. While the head might be involved, it's the heart which feels and even that word trust is is a word which is spoken more often from the heart than the head. I mean, confidence is a word we use when we're speaking uh, from the head, when we're talking about something like a business deal. But trust is a word that we use when we're talking about a friend. And a man who has this kind of wife has a heart that is at ease when it comes to his wife. He trusts her in all ways. He, he's confident of the kind of person that she is. And he knows that she will always seek to do what's right. And he knows that even when she gets it wrong, she does so for the right reasons. Such a man lacks nothing of value. I don't think we're talking here about monetary gain. We're talking about things of eternal and spiritual worth. God tells us the same thing in other places about a about that kind of a woman. Houses and wealth are inherited from parents, but a prudent wife is from the Lord. He who finds a wife finds what is good and receives favor from the Lord. A, a wife of noble character is her husband's crown. The Lord God said, It's not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. God has supplied in such a godly woman all we need, all we can desire if we're not blinded by our own sin. And it's in the most special of all relationships. Just think about this relationship for just a moment. You know, most people in our culture, when they live maybe 18 to 25 years with their parents, and, and what do they do then? They leave their parents to unite to their husband and wife. And we raise our children, each of whom stays with us about 18 to 25 years, and then they leave. We stay with our parents that long, and we But we're with our spouse for more years than we are with any other human being. Ann and I have been together for almost 30 years now. This September will be 30 years. Longer than our children have been alive, longer than we live with our parents. And I have to tell you something. I'm looking forward to the next 30 years. You know, we love our parents. And we would die for our children. But we are one with our wives. 
God beyond all the things that she does, and your heart is at rest because of her. And still it goes beyond that. Good comes to us because of such a woman. So verse 12, she brings him good and not harm all the days of her life. Now, I, let me, if I could, put this kind of uh, crudely here. Consider the return on investment. You know, the investment, this marriage, this relationship is intended to, by God to be lifelong. And if you don't know it, if your wife goes before you, your loss will be greater than you almost can bear. See, the good she brings you goes beyond the things we've already mentioned. Uh, all those varying things that she does over her lifetime is she, because she cares and she loves. And that's where the text turns next. But it's clear that it's, she means so much more to us than just the things she does. You know, such a, a woman instills trust in the heart of her husband. But she does more. She brings him good. And we're not talking primarily about monetary gain, though that's included here, of course. The wife may indeed bring it in and come. But there's no doubt she has a part to play in any such gain, even if she doesn't work outside the home. But the good spoken of here is more important and lasting than any of that. It, it's the good of a heart which trusts in another human being. It, it's good of a satisfied heart. It's a good of finding a, a lifelong friend who knows your every flaw and puts up with you anyway. And actually, it's not just that she puts up with you. She loves you. <laughs> Doesn't that amaze you? It, it, it does me. I mean, every time I really think about it, I think she loves me. It's the good which the mother brings to your children, the daughter-in-law brings to your parents, the sister-in-law brings to your nieces and nephews. My wife loved my mother, and she misses her to this day. And I can't tell you the kind of good that accrued to me because of that. That text also tells us she doesn't cause us any harm. You know, I'm... I'm not really sure why the, the writer adds this, but I know it's true. I know it because it's in God's Word, and, and I think I know it also from my experience. But I can't help but wonder if the writer put that in there because married couples, if you don't know this, married couples argue sometimes. <laughs> so if that's the case, then even when you're disagreeing, it's not causing See, when we disagree, we're usually both at fault, right? But let's make it a little bit easier to talk about. And so for the sake of discussion, let's say when you disagree, either you are right or you are wrong, right? And so if you're wrong, then your wife is doing you good by helping you see that. It may not feel like good, but what does that matter? It's good for you anyway. And if you're right, as rare as that might be... Well, then God gives you an opportunity to be gracious to your life's partner. You know, if we learn to think about it in those terms, maybe our disagreements wouldn't be so disagreeable. You, you become more and more the child of God as you learn to appreciate his great gift to you when 
gave you his wife. Your wife. The woman he chose for you. A wife of noble character is priceless beyond all the things she does. And your heart is at rest because of her. And she brings you good all of your days. Now there are two more things we're going to look at. Things that we're going to move a little more quickly on here. Because I think they require a little less comment. And so in verse 23, the Bible tells you whatever success you enjoy in life, well, your wife has had a part in that. And so we read, her husband is respected in the city gate where he takes a seat among the elders of the land. So in those days, the city gate was the place where the town leaders met, and they were referred to as the elders of the land. And they were the most respected of all the people in the area. Others looked up to them. They sought out their advice. And when someone was in trouble, they went to the elders for help. They were the successful people, not just in business, but in life. And the whole point that this verse is doing is to tell us that whatever success we may be enjoying is due in part to our wives. It is not your success alone. And she doesn't do your work for you. But because of all she does, and more importantly, because of who she is, she frees you to be all that you can be. And without this wife of noble character, you certainly wouldn't be where you are today. I have to tell you something. You can't blame her for your failures, but you have to give her some of the credit for your success. Um, You've heard the saying, right? Every Behind every great man is a great woman. Now, I know you've heard the funny takes on that, too, right? Behind every great man is a woman rolling her eyes. <laughs> or behind every great man is a surprised mother-in-law. You know, we can, we can laugh at those things, but there's truth in that saying that we're putting fun at. Maybe we ought to say it this way. The Bible gives the real truth behind that saying by telling us that a godly wife sets you free to be all that God intends you to be. So a wife of noble character is priceless beyond all the things that she does. And your heart rests in her because of her and she brings you good, not harm, all the days of your life. And because of who she is and all she does, you're free to become all The last thing to mention is of great importance. It, it tells us just how insightful a godly wife is. So verse 26, she speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction is on her tongue. So if you're fortunate enough to have a godly wife or a mother, the Bible says she's wise. And the things that she says, at least most of them, for our wives and our mothers are not perfect. But those things she says are faithful. That is, they are for your benefit. I have to tell you to talk intelligently about this. I have to do so by dealing with something along the way. And the truth is, for most men, this is, um, this is not easy to accept or to put into practice. Now, I'm not telling uh, most wives anything that they don't already know. But I am confessing. I am confessing on behalf of men, something we struggle with. And pride is a part of it, yes. 
but both men and women struggle with that issue. And our pride is not all there is to it. You need to understand this. We men are wired. God has made us in such a way that we need to take ground. We need to obtain. We need to gain. We need to get ahead. That's why I think football uh, is so popular with most men. It's just a game, but but they're taking ground and we can identify with it. And that's why we can be so aggressive when we drive. You know when Ann and I travel and we stop at a rest area, do you know what I see? I see all those cars going by me which I had already passed. That's what I see. And when we're on our way again, I'm looking at them, and I'm passing, and I said, I'm back in front of that guy where I belong. And sometimes I tell Ann that, but she just shakes her head at me. Now, I know that can seem silly, but most men are built in such a way that when we see things, we make a decision, and we act on that decision. And we don't always get it right, but more often than not, our instincts move us forward in this life. But God has given us this wonderful companion who has insight and who truly cares about us and we need to learn to listen to her. And ladies, I have to tell you, you don't always get it right either and pride can be a problem for you too in this place. But we really need to always hear what you have to say. And I have to tell you this, my male friends, Even when your wife is talking to you about something that you really know about, I mean, that's your thing, and you know her understanding in that area is limited, not because she's stupid, but because she doesn't have your training, you still need to listen to her. You see, her discernment isn't always about facts, but about you and, and, and the family and how this thing will affect you both. She has insight. The Bible calls it wisdom. And she has your best interest and the best interest of the family at heart. And so you need to pay attention. Now, I know that's easier said than done. And it's not enough just to listen. You have to take it to heart. You have to listen to what she's saying, take it to heart, and then you need to pray about it, seeking God's leading. God's given that woman to you. Now she's a godly woman. And a wife of that kind of character is priceless. Again, behind all the things she does, your heart is at rest because of her. She brings you good all her days because of who she is and the things she does. You're set free to become all you were meant to be. And she has real insight. And the things she says, she says because she loves you. We're almost done this morning, but I just want to go back and pick up the thought we began with. The text began by asking, who can find such a noble woman? And I'd really like to answer that in um, several different ways. First, uh, the woman that we're talking about is someone who has put her trust in Jesus Christ. Do you understand that that means any woman, even a woman in the midst of ruin can become a person
person of real character by trusting in Jesus Christ. See, when we put our faith in Christ, we understand we're sinners who cannot stop sinning and who cannot undo even one of our sins, and we know we have committed many more than just one sin. We understand that we can't be good enough. We can't do enough good things, and even going to church and getting baptized isn't going to get us into heaven. And when we see that God loved us enough to send his son to die in our place on that cross to take the punishment for our sins so we could be clean and forgiven. If we at that point call on him, he will save us. And we'll become a new creation. Man or woman, you will become a person of character no matter where you started. That's how we find such people. That's how they're made. And secondly, I'm going to be really brief here. I don't mean to give this short shrift or anything, but I'm going to be brief. If you're looking for a wife or a husband, the most important thing about them is their relationship with Jesus Christ. And next to that, nothing else matters. With such a person, you can face whatever tomorrow throws your way. Now, I'm not going to stand here, and I'm going to, not going to tell you all the bad things that can happen to you if you choose somebody who's not a believer. And I'm not going to try to tell you about all the good that will come to you if you obey God. Because I know this, if you aren't willing to listen to what God's Word says, you're not going to hear me when I tell you those things. But if you're lucky, you better, you ought, you should be looking for that kind of woman. Finally, for many of you to find such a woman, Maybe you just have to open your eyes. Maybe you just need to realize your wife or your mother is a godly woman who, although she is not perfect, loves God and loves you and loves those that you love. Maybe you're not seeing it. You're not appreciating what God has given you. Not only do you not show proper gratitude to your wife in that case, you're not giving the thanks to God that she deserves for such a gift. And it could also be that because you are not seeing her for what she really is, you are hindering her, keeping her from becoming all she could be, which God intends that she should become. The cure for that is to value your wife, to see her for all she is, and all that she can be because of God's grace in her life. And as you do that, as your heart goes out to her, then it's not just words, but your heart going out to her and your spirit communicating with her. She's encouraged and she's strengthened and she's set free to be that person that God had in mind.